You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, my friends. What are we talking about today? We're, we're, we're actually talking about real estate on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. But not we're not talking about Seattle real estate. Well, we will at the end. But I had a bunch of people ask me, hey, is the housing market going to come wildly crashing down? Talk about that towards the end here. And also, do you worry about the Seattle real estate market with all the craziness going on with political decisions being made? Do you worry about that? I'll tell you answers to those, those kind of generic questions um, as well. But what we're talking about right now is the Venice real estate market is unstoppable. No more. Why? That homelessness look, it's not a good thing for the real estate market. Talk about that with Seattle as well. This is an interesting article sent from West Seattle. John, thanks so much. Appreciate it. The Venice real estate market is unstoppable. No more. COVID and a growing homelessness population have impacted the area's home prices and have led to an uptick in inventory, according to local agents. And I've been I've been following, um, I watch a lot of the German and Venice YouTuber, and I think he's got some amazing coverage of Venice. I mean, Venice Beach is just one of those iconic locations that as far as back as like Charlie Chaplin filming, filming, uh, movies there. And then Stallone and the Doors and all kinds of crazy celebrities and and, uh, just Venice Beach itself work out, you know, Schwarzenegger, all those guys just getting after it in uh, in the 70s. And now Venice Beach is just overrun with homeless encampments. It's just it's crazy looking. If you check, just you just Google it or do a quick search on YouTube for Venice homelessness and you'll just come up with video after video after video. It's just wild. The property Jordan Mazur bought in December is the classic Venice Beach house in more ways than one. The 2.225 million clapboard house, so just over a couple million for just a little house, is close enough to a local surf break. The Mr. Mazur, a 33-year-old human resources executive for a video game company, can run to it with a surfboard tucked under his arm. Another thing that makes his property emblematic of the neighborhood, he paid $213,000 less than the buyer in 2018 and $450,000 less than the buyer in 2016. The home for which he paid over $1,000 a square foot is near the beach, but also near the Venice boardwalk, where scores of homeless people are now living. I talk a lot about external pressures, and I think that's what it would take probably for a Seattle uh, market slowdown. But you are talking about immediate physical pressures here. You got too many people that are living in tents they're living on the streets for the neighborhood to handle, and it's finally impacting it. We do have some of those neighborhoods here in Seattle, and of course, it's impacting things there as well. But even in, if you look at all the stats on the CHOP neighborhood in Seattle, those properties have sold. They're still selling. They are still marketable. And they are still marketable in Venice Beach as well, but it's not unstoppable. That's kind of what we're saying. The property market in Venice, once a working class community that experienced an extraordinary run up in prices from 2012 through 2019, is taking a short pause. From 2012 to 2019, prices grew by an average of about 17% a year in Venice. That is an enormous appreciation. 
vastly outpacing price growth in the rest of LA, according to analysis by real estate website Zillow. Those trends reversed in July when price growth across LA began to outpace price growth, uh, price growth in Venice. A lot of price growth in there, right? Throughout the pandemic, while area home prices rose in neighborhoods such as Brentwood, Pacific Palisades, I always remember OJ Simpson for Brentwood, the Pacific Palisades and the beaches of Malibu, homes over 3 million in Venice have been a tougher sell, local agents say. Would you love to have this immaculate 1200 square foot rambler for three and a half million dollars. We're outside on the sidewalk, you can watch your very own homeless encampment, just do its thing. That's, that's what you're that's what you're stuck with in Venice Beach. Will that get cleaned up at some point in time? Yeah, absolutely, it will. But I don't know what it's going to take. Might be a while. And in the meantime, do you want to have a $3 million house, a $2 million house in such close proximity, proximity to that, that type of influence. Well, the market is saying no. And that's a that's one of the things here in Seattle. People say, well, you're going to have a price correction in your housing because nobody wants to live there. Well, actually, we've still got greater in migration in Seattle than we do out migration, right? So we got more people coming in than we do leaving. Microsoft is talking here in, in uh, Redmond, Microsoft is talking about opening up some big, big buildings. I mean, they are building like there is no tomorrow. There's like 17 cranes within a very small area. Microsoft is basically rebuilding their entire headquarters, buildings that were put up when, you know, I wasn't, uh, I was maybe in my early 20s. And now it's all of a sudden, wow, they're taking that building down, and they are redoing the whole thing. Because things have changed so much since the late 80s to now real estate wise, they're just ripping stuff down and going. So and then do I see a major housing crisis? I don't see one in 2021. I think the only thing that that would make housing really be impacted is a, a big sharp rise in interest rates. And I think the Fed is pretty committed to keeping those lows. The national debt? Yeah, that is a major major thing for me. It's kind of like, what are we doing there? What is going on there? So that would be a factor that if, um, you know, these and these are all maybe a uh, war, you know, something along those lines might rock the housing market, something external, something big like that. But for right now in 2021, um, so we're in March, we don't have enough inventory, even if a bunch came on between now and call it August, that would get outstripped by demand. We There's not enough demand in the marketplace. And this is basically on a nationwide, nationwide deal. Even Maui, where I just came back from vacation, was, they've got historically low uh, levels of inventory. And that's after being in lockdown for almost a year. They basically had no tourism coming in. People had to do 14-day quarantine, then a 10-day quarantine. Now you can just take a COVID test. And if you're negative, they give you a hall pass and you can do whatever. Still got to wear your mask. But even a market like uh, Maui has historically low levels of inventory. And that's after a year of being locked down and having 90% or whatever it is of their income taken away because there's no tourists. So markets all over the United States, because of the low levels of inventory, you're not going to have a big drop in pricing because you just you don't have all that housing on the market 
for that top priced one to drop underneath the next one. And then that one's got to follow, you know, that downward trending effect, you don't have enough inventory in the market to even start that process right now. And if a bunch came on, the buyer demand is out there, it would just, it would snap that stuff up. So people talk and ask about that question all the time. And that's basically my response is, you know, you've still got some incredible demand out there because interest rates are still super low. You've got no inventory. So show me how you're going to have a big drop in prices with virtually sold out inventory. Show me how that's going to happen. And then people are like, uh, they come up with some weak excuse. Oh, uh, well, they could have this happen. Yeah, that's not gonna, that's not gonna impact it. Real estate supply and demand. And when you have no supply, and you've got big, strong demand, those things are going to take a while to work itself out. And with interest rates committed, I mean, who knows what happened will happen with interest rates, but I think the Fed is committed to keeping them low through the end of 2021. And you know, damn well, they'll keep them low through through in through 2022. So I don't think we're I'm not one of the bubble boys who um, is constantly saying, Hey, the real estate market, the, the bottom is going to drop out of the real estate market. Would I be buying a house right now? I not unless I needed to if it was a relocation issue. Absolutely. If you know, you're going to be in a house in a for a while. No problem. But are we in a frothy market? Yeah, we are. I mean, the prices we're seeing in cities across the United States, you're like, what? This this isn't good. So we've got some, we've got some weird things in the marketplace. And um, would I run out and buy, you know, a bunch of homes? Would I be an investor right now? I wouldn't. And I own a real estate, you know, sales company, and we make our money selling homes. So I'm kind of one of those guys who is willing to talk about things that other people aren't necessarily, ah, it's a great time to buy. It's a great time to sell. It's always a great time to buy. It's always a great time to sell. No, some of the stuff I've seen with appreciation lately, especially like in February, oh, it's, just, it's mind blowing. And it's artificial because you don't have the inventory you should. And a bunch of different circumstances have created that. And by artificial, I mean, it, there's a, a pressure on it that um, is not sustainable long term. But for the meantime, it's like, oh, geez, this stuff is going up way too fast. Um, that's just that's kind of that's my two cents for the marketplace marketplace, right? So he paid 213,000 less than the buyer in 2018 and 450 grand less than the buyer in 2016. The home for which he paid over a 1000 bucks a square foot is near the beach, but is also near the Venice boardwalk, where scores of homeless people are now living. So an influence like the homeless that can have a direct impact. If you've got tent city next to your home, it may not be marketable. But we even proved with CHOP, and I think that's where I was going with this, that you can have an immediate, like, temporary situation. And people's minds are just kind of, ah, that could happen again, but I'm okay with it. I like Capitol Hill. That's where CHOP was, CHOP slash Chaz. I'm okay with it being, you know, unique and, you know, not fitting inside a little box. I mean, we live outside the box here in Capitol Hill. Yes, you do. Not everybody wants to live there, but enough people do where they're still buying homes in the chop zone. I mean, they just are. And they're not going down, they're going up. Price paid per square foot for a single family home in Venice dropped 
by 5.7% in 2020. Compared with the year prior, according to Jonathan Miller, president of appraisal company, Miller Samuel, and the author of the Elliman Report, a market study. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Welcome to the Elliman Report. We're going to do a market study. And now I do one of those every month and it bores me to tears, but people like to hear it. So I will, I'd rather talk about Venice Beach. I mean, Venice Beach is cool. It used to be anyway, right? By contrast, per square foot prices for single family homes in upscale parts of the greater Los Angeles area showed an increase of 3.2% instead of a decrease of 5.7%. So there's some real data saying, if you have a ton of people living in tents on your street, your multi-million dollar home might be worth a little bit less. That's the that's the genius of this article, right? I mean, and everybody's like, oh, duh. Yeah, but even in Seattle and in Portland, Portland, I just saw an article, one of you guys sent me an article, Portland <laughs> having record appreciation. It's like, what is going on in this world? But that's, that is just the world we live in, my friends. Real estate has been off to the races. Rona can't even slow it down. Homelessness, chop. I mean, here in Seattle, we're like, ah, yeah, it happened. Didn't really impact real estate. And then a lot of other folks are like, oh, your market's going to tank. All right. Well, let me know when it does. Until then, you know, we'll still be appraising homes and still selling homes at record setting dollars per square footage of prices. Inventory has also grown in Venice where 43.2% more single family homes in the market in 2020 than they were the year prior. That's a 43.2%. That's a big uptick. That's according to the report. Some agents blame the shift on pandemic buyers looking for larger homes outside of Venice. But Venice has always been one of those neighborhoods where it's like, I want to live in Venice. It's a cool neighborhood. I just got through watching um, Kingdom. It's the Netflix show about MMA or UFC fighting. It's a great, great show. A little dark, a little weird at times. Sometimes you had to like close your own eyes and censor what you were seeing because it was pretty hardcore. A little bit of sex, a little bit of drug use in there. Um, but it was uh, based on uh, a beach in or uh, not a beach, a gym in Venice Beach. And so you get a kind of a you know, you get a little feel for the housing. It's like uh, mid century housing, a lot of ramblers, that kind of stuff. Just cool old school. Um, but when you got 43% more homes on the market, geez, that's the supply we're talking about. If you have that much more come on, then you've, you will, that will definitely impact your, your numbers. Juliet Hanan, an agent with Douglas Elliman, said that Venice's draw has been long been its urban style living, cool stores and restaurants, all hard hit by the pandemic. That has prodded some residents to abscond to the suburban ambiance of Santa Monica, Pacific Palisades, and Topanga Canyon. Those are all really expensive neighborhoods. I guess you're going from an expensive to either more expensive or roughly the same expensive, right? But a number of local real estate agents cited another reason for the Venice market's troubles. Guess what? The city's growing homeless population. Yep. And every city that's got one, going to have to deal with it one way or the other. What are you going to do? What was I reading? I was reading somebody sent me um, City of Seattle is considering making it illegal to tow people's cars that are living in them that don't run. I mean, we're just going to end up 
looking, you know, certain sections of Seattle, call it Soto, south of the Dome, even though the Dome is no longer there, the King Dome, um, they are like a scene out of the Road Warrior, the second one, not the first one, Mad Max, the second one, and not the third one where they had that crazy cage and they were, you know, swinging down in the cage fighting in the, you know, the, the half dome cage. Um, the second one where it was just this grim desert, burned out cars, you know, kind of look. That's what it's going to look like in Soto and Seattle if they let a law like that pass. It's just going to be, you know, just some really rough vehicles lining the streets. I'm sure a lot of it is the homeless situation, but it's probably also the overpriced listing situation. It's not overpriced unless the buyers won't buy it. And then it becomes overpriced. Why aren't they buying it? Because they don't want to buy a three or $4 million home and have a whole bunch of homeless take poops on the sidewalk outside their home. They don't want to play dodge the human fecal matter game. They don't. They're going to take their 4 million bucks and they're going to go to Santa Monica or all those, you know, Topanga Canyon. They're going to go to the other cool locations where they don't have this issue, right? In 2020, Venice, a neighborhood of just over three square miles, was host to 1981, 1,981 homeless people, up 57% from 2019. The homeless population in Los Angeles County grows by 12.7% during the same period, according to data from Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority. How do they even track that? I I always think the numbers, when I read the numbers, I'm like, yeah, really? Because how yeah, those people are not... They're not sedentary long enough for the uh, homeless population, to, for the census people to really square them away. But I don't know. That's always just what comes to my mind is, really? And you can barely track those people for a day, right? On March 17, 2020, in response to the COVID crisis, the Los Angeles City Council approved a measure suspending enforcement of laws that prohibited people from leaving tents assembled during the day, thus legalizing encampments that have sprouted throughout Venice and other parts of LA. Mike Bonin, the 11th district council member who serves the Venice area, said homelessness is increasing across LA and consequently, it's also growing in Venice. Another reason is there's open space and on the beach to sleep. What a great place. If you're going to be homeless, be homeless there. I mean, right on the beach, you can see tents and just got couches set up and only rains every now and then. Um, yeah, great place to be homeless, not a great place to have a house, right? And I remember doing a podcast, they had a one of the tents caught fire, and it caught fire to a multi story building. And then they had to uh, demolish the building just horrible. It's like, how'd that happen? Well, one of the tents caught on fire, and it took out the rest of the building. I'm sure the fact that people are living on the street is impacting real estate values where it's most concentrated, said Mr. Bonin. The solution isn't to outlaw tents or encampments, Mr. Bonin said. Instead, I want to build more homeless housing and homeless shelters in Venice and throughout the West Side. Now, that is another racket, is building shelter for the homeless. There are a lot of developers doing that, and they are making a lot of money because it's very profitable. City contract? Mm, that's some that's some stuff right there. Claus Moeller, another one I did a... Uh, podcast on a co-owner of a Ben and Jerry's ice cream franchise in the heart of Venice boardwalk said that as the encampment has grown throughout the COVID crisis, his sales dropped by 70% 
because neither visitors nor local families come to his store anymore. He had a local homeless guy who lived in a tent nearby was his security. And um, he basically said, you know, it's always been one of those quirky areas. And for a long time, they were okay, but it's basically just become lawlessness. And he said, um, can't, nobody wants to have their kids work at the store. And that's typically who work at an ice cream shop, especially at Ben and Jerry's. Who doesn't like Ben and Jerry's? I remember one of the highlights of one of my trips to CHOP was not to cover the video footage of it. That I mean, that was good stuff too. But there was a free Ben and Jerry's uh, truck that came. They handed out free Ben and Jerry's. That was good. It was good ice cream. That was summer. It was hot. Good ice cream. Yeah, you did have the whole chop thing, but uh, that was, you know, just what's, what's going on in Seattle. There were always hippies, skateboarders, and people smoking pot. Not those pot-smoking people. And those are they're on the boardwalk, Mr. Moeller said. He's the uh, Claus Moeller. He's the owner of the Ben and Jerry's. Today, he finds the scene more menacing, saying he has witnessed drug dealing and stepped over hypodermic needles on the beach. His employees have been harassed and assaulted, he said. Then it kind of becomes a no-go. This is not the location we want an ice cream store in. We want people to feel good about their ice cream. We want them to enjoy their ice cream, maybe in the heart of homeless encampment, which is unfortunately most of Venice Beach, not the right spot, right? Venice identity as a bastion of luxury and chic was ignited in 2012, or or chic, sorry, uh, was ignited in 2012 when... Real estate prices began skyrocketing. Prices per square foot peaked in the first quarter of 2016 at $1,287. That's an incredible amount. Um, we've got some of those numbers going on here in Seattle, and you just scratch your head and go, what? Why? Well, you got a little thing called supply and demand, and you don't have a lot of supply, and you got a lot of demand, and you've also got employment. Employment's the other big thing in Seattle that – yeah, our leaders are making some really poor decisions. And if they do put together a bunch of the capital gains and other corporate taxation, it's going to not be a signal to people, hey, come and run a business here, come and start a business. It's the opposite of that. It's how can we get rid of you? So you do have those factors going on. But again, you've got way more jobs coming into the Pacific Northwest coming into Seattle, then you do leaving. So whether people don't like the political climate here, that's one thing. But a lot of time you go to a city based on the economy. And our economy here is smoking red hot, despite all the crap going on in Seattle, right? I mean, it's and here in the suburb of Bellevue, I mean, I don't think it's ever been stronger. But we are still arresting people from that May incident where BLM and Antifa basically broke into our big, huge mall and looted it under the guise of peaceful protesting. We're still arresting and prosecuting people. City of Bellevue is for that. So go blue in Seattle. Do your thing. Technology companies such as Snapchat and Google leased commercial space in Venice, burnishing the area's reputation as the epicenter of Southern California's tech industry. Developers bought up small cottages and transformed them into larger, modern luxury homes, as you do, right? Some people would say, oh, that's gentrification. Yeah, it's just redevelopment in a neighborhood. Russ Cletta, a 56-year-old landscape architect, and his partner, Harry Gunderson, 
a 56-year-old computer visual effects artist, moved to Venice in 1992. In 2003, the couple paid $430,000 for a 2,336-square-foot home built in 1909 as part of a larger deal in that they bought an adjacent lot and cottage, and a friend bought a lot adjacent to that. The couple spent roughly 300000 on renovations of their residence, Mr. Cletta said. The home has dramatically increased in value. Tammy Party, whose brokerage is based in Venice, didn't visit the property, but we needed a quick quote for this story. So we reached out to her, even though she didn't visit it, said, based on square footage and location, estimated its value at roughly $3 bucks. But if the couple had put the home on the market in late 2017 or early 2018, when Miss Pardee said the home, similar homes were in peak demand, she estimated it might have fetched $3.2 million or down 2%. No, down 200 grand. Um, yeah, and 200 grand on 3 million. All right. Those are the numbers we're talking. But some of the forces that have contributed to that valuation have caused the area to lose some of its funk, Mr. Cletta said. About Kinney, Venice's famous shopping street is too bougie for their taste, meaning bourgeois. Oliver Damavandi, a real estate developer, rode the sea change in the area with an epic house flip. In 2015, he paid $1.425 million for a house, a Venice house he lived in, then renovated top to bottom and sold in 2019 for almost $5 million. All right, those are big numbers. How much did you spend on the renovation? Don't really know. Weren't really given that. Um, see, you always have people. People always, when you're a real estate guy, people always want to tell you the real estate story, and then I start picking it apart, and then they don't want to tell me their story. That's just how that goes, right? Now, Mr. Damavandi wants lightning to strike again, though it may be trickier. In 2015, he paid $1.53 million for another Venice property that he has since rebuilt with lots of COVID amenities. Is that a smart thing? Including a pool and tropical landscaping. Maybe he just wanted a pool. Maybe he just wanted tropical landscaping. And then he's calling him, ah, that's a COVID amenity. I put I put a bathroom in the house. You use the bathroom during COVID. That's a COVID amenity. The handful of houses in the $5 million to $6 million range that sold in 2020 were on the market for an average of 63 days. Yeah, that's about, that's about it for this one. So uh, you've got examples of people doing really well on Venice Beach. Right now, you got to slow down. You get the homelessness issue cleaned up. The beach is always going to be there, right? It's a dirty beach right now because you got the homelessness just running all around in there. But um, you get that squared away. That's, you know, it's not an easy fix, but it is fixable. It's not like you're on a freeway, which is you're stuck with that forever. Um, so you've got that you've got that issue that you're going to have to work through. But eventually, I think you get Venice Beach cleaned up. And that's an amazing little town. It's, it's just it's it's a cool town. I need to go back there. I want to go back there to kind of shoot all the homeless stuff and just see what that really looks like first person. And, um, and then also just, um, you know, walk the boardwalk such as it is. All right, that's it for me on this one. Thank you so much for sticking with me on this podcast. It's my third one of the day. I'm getting back in the flow. Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for if you've subscribed. Great. If not, think about it. All right, that's it for me. I'll catch up with you guys on the next one. Thanks again for watching. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.